Insecure leaders are dangerous to any organization, but they're especially hazardous in church settings. Every leader has areas of insecurity, and leaders have seasons of insecurity that aren't necessarily permanent, usually because of traumatic circumstances, exhaustion, burnout, or feelings of displacement in a new position, role, or environment. But today I'm addressing chronic toxic insecurities in leaders. Toxically insecure leaders destroy lives, organizations, and almost everything they touch if they don't recognize their internal condition and correct it. If you're a leader, check yourself for these symptoms. Better yet, ask your spouse or someone you respect if you're showing any of these signs. If you are, it doesn't have to be terminal. You can adjust, grow, change, and become a truly dynamic leader. Facing our flaws is always challenging, but it pays big dividends later on. Maybe you're concerned someone close to you is a toxic leader. If so, please understand a toxically insecure leader will display at least three or more of these symptoms. Be careful not to misdiagnose a leader because they exhibit one or two of these symptoms from time to time. However, if you find that you're working with or for a toxically insecure leader, you would be wise to distance yourself if and when possible. Otherwise, you will be pulled into their injuriousness as either a collaborator or a victim. King Saul is a prime biblical example of a genuinely toxic, insecure leader. He was anointed, impressive, loved, and gifted, but his unbridled, jealous insecurities prompted him to hate David. King Saul's insecurities sent him down a twisted path of self-destructive behavior. Tragically, when a leader like Saul falls prey to their own insecurities, they can unleash a whirlwind of hurt. But it doesn't have to be that way. Today, I'm talking about 10 common symptoms found in toxically insecure leaders. However, along with each symptom, I'm giving you a helpful prescription. 60 seconds, and we'll be right back with 10 symptoms of toxically insecure leaders. Today, we're talking about 10 symptoms of insecure leadership from the original article at RyanAFrench.com of the same title, 10 Symptoms of Insecure Leadership. You can look that up, and it'll also be one of the first posts, uh, be reposted with the uh, the attachment to this podcast as well. So the first, the first symptom that we're going to look at, number one, insecure leaders are easily offended. Insecure leaders are easily offended. Not only are they offended easily... But insecure leaders are angered by a seemingly endless list of perceived slights. Everything seems to offend this type of leader. They feel as if they're being disrespected, attacked, taunted, or rejected all the time and by relatively insignificant things. The insecure leader's posture of offense reveals selfishness as their deeper character flaw. And, and the reason for this is because they view everything in life through the lens of self. So they filter everyone's actions as being about them or directed at them. Even things that have nothing to do with them, they perceive them as being about them. Insecure leaders speak and act against their real or perceived offenders often. They go on long crusades demanding respect or diminishing people 
who seemingly refuse to admire them. This is a very dangerous situation. Now, I want to clarify that there are times that a leader has genuine reasons to be offended. I'm not talking about those situations, although insecure leaders, when they are genuinely offended, they take it to the 10th degree. So instead of responding in in what would be a normal and mature way, an insecure leader takes real offenses incredibly, incredibly strongly. And it's a, it can be a very dangerous situation. Now, I want to give you the prescription for easily offended leaders. And I want to start with Proverbs 19.11. It says this, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. We overcome offenses by looking up to God. It really is that simple. The Apostle Peter reminds us that it's an honor to suffer offense, even unjust offenses, if we're mindful of God. That's 1 Peter 2.19. To be sure, the Apostle Peter's readers were dealing with offenses far more severe than the kind that we typically face today. The early Christians faced physical abuse, ridicule, fiery trials, and all kinds of actual physical danger. But learning to overlook the most significant offenses usually begins with learning to forgive the smallest. Enduring slander begins with enduring a sarcastic remark. Enduring a beating begins with enduring a cold shoulder. Being mindful of God in everyday offenses trains us to be mindful of Him when the worst offenses come. One of the most detrimental things that a leader can do is allow themselves to fall prey to the constant frustration of being offended. I like this quote from Scott Hubbard. It says, The daggers others throw your way will become in God's hand chisels to fashion you into the image of Christ. Offended leaders must rest in the knowledge that God sees all offenses, God will settle every offense, and God can satisfy our hearts even in the middle of offense. When offense comes, especially when genuine offense comes, it's always tempting to allow bitterness, revenge, fantasy, distraction, pleasure, or self-justification to bring temporary satisfaction to our grievance. But only God can fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Only God can call us back from darkness. We can always rise above offense by lifting our eyes to God. All right, number two, insecure leaders pass the blame. They just do. Confident leaders are comfortable accepting responsibility for their mistakes. Why? Because everyone makes mistakes. Everyone drops the ball. Everyone gets it wrong from time to time. But insecure leaders find creative ways to blame others for their failures. They pass the buck to anyone or anything they can find. Because insecure leaders refuse to acknowledge their own mistakes, they never learn to correct them. Individuals forced to take blame unfairly on an insecure leader's behalf are deeply wounded. This creates a, a very dysfunctional environment. And, and this creates constant turnover and turmoil in the leaders serving underneath an insecure leader. So it's hard for them to keep a team together. It's hard for them to cultivate unity. It's, they're constantly having to uh, either fire people or people are leaving and they're coming and going. It's a very dysfunctional environment. And at the root of the blame game are an insecure leader's ego and pride. Passing the buck begins by uprooting pride. 
Once pride is gone, humility can confidently take its place. Now, let me give you a, a prescription here for, for blame-passing leaders, and I'll, I'll look at Galatians 6, 5, says this, very simple, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. God resists prideful leaders who lack humility. That's James 4, 6. On the other hand, God gives grace to the humble. Thankfully, the passage of Scripture doesn't stop there. It goes on to provide us with the exact prescription for curing pride. Here it is, James 4, 8 through 6, and I'm reading from the ESV. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Confident leaders know that God is the one who exalts and God is the one who lays low. If we make a mistake, we acknowledge the mistake and we acknowledge that God is the one who brings success to our lives in the first place. We rest in that knowledge and that brings peace to our surroundings. Unless you're living under a rock, you're aware that free speech is under assault right now. Big tech is increasingly censoring religious programming and making it hard for Christians' voices to have a digital platform. I predict this problem is going to worsen as time goes on. That's why I'm asking you to consider supporting this podcast on a monthly basis. You can financially support us by giving as little as 99 cents a month, or you can give $4.99 or $9.99 a month. Just go to www.anchor.com. Dot .fm forward slash apostolic voice forward slash support. That link is in the show notes on the device you're using to listen right now, and you should be able to just click the link and it will take you where you need to go. Thank you to everyone who's already done so. Also, please consider giving Apostolic Voice a five-star rating and review on iTunes. They're the big ones, and they are screening religious programming, sometimes even hiding reviews and rankings. However, if we flood them with reviews, it's more difficult for them to deny our request to post them. Also, keep sharing on social media, and let's be unashamed of our faith, even in the big tech realm. Thank you for listening and lifting us up in prayer. God bless. Okay, number three, insecure leaders tear other people down. They just do. Insecure leaders can't help themselves from tearing other people down. They do it verbally, not necessarily to their face, but definitely behind their backs. They're careful to hide their criticism as concern or something innocuous, but they intend to tear down their competition. Insecure leaders feel threatened by talented, gifted, or well-liked people, and they make it their mission to belittle those people cleverly. Now, there is a prescription for this, and I want to start with a quote by Irvin Himmel. He said this, No one has ever made himself look great by showing how small someone else is. There are two self-serving reasons to stop tearing other people down, whether it be overtly or subtly. First, people just don't like or trust people who manipulatively bash other people. People bashers tend to think they're super slick in how they do it, but folks quickly catch on. Secondly, the absolute fear of God should be a strong motivator to stop tearing others down, especially if they're a godly person. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote, 
Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. That's Ephesians 4.29, the ESV. But Paul didn't stop there. He continues with an ominous warning. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's Ephesians 4.30. To grieve the Holy Spirit is to invite the judgment of God. If nothing else, selfishly avoid God's wrath by lifting others up rather than tearing them down. I promise you, if you think people bashing will somehow elevate you, it really doesn't. If you lift others up, you lift yourself up at the same time. All right, number four, insecure leaders avoid necessary risk. An aversion to necessary risk often paralyzes insecure leaders. And this one is really tricky to spot in a leader because sometimes risk aversion is wisdom. But good leaders know risk is unavoidable and even healthy from time to time. We might call it a leap of faith or stepping out by faith or moving forward. But insecure leaders avoid these steps of faith to the detriment of the people depending on them for guidance. I want to read to you this story, a true story of a cowardly Confederate general. Bright red blood contrasted sharply with the brilliant white snow on a bone-chilling February morning in 1862. Confederate troops under the command of General Gideon Pillow were trapped in Fort Donelson near Dover, Tennessee. General Ulysses S. Grant's federal troops had them nearly surrounded, and Union reinforcements were arriving regularly. General Pillow and his officers knew if they didn't fight their way out, they would be starved out or frozen out by General Grant. Federal ironclad boats steamed up the Cumberland River to shell the Confederate fort into submission. But Southern cannons barraged the ironclad so mercilessly they were forced to retreat. This long-range victory heartened the Southern soldiers and emboldened them for battle. The plan was to break through enemy lines and regroup with reinforcements in Nashville. General Pillow realized it would be a bitter fight, but he was shocked to see more Union soldiers than expected just over the hill's crest, directly between them and their escape route. Deafening rebel yells pierced the frosty air as Pillow's men fiercely charged Union lines. After only an hour of fighting, it was almost impossible to see snow because of the crystallizing crimson stains. Miraculously, Pillow's men busted through the federal lines, opening up a clear path to Nashville. The breach was only temporary and needed to be exploited by rebel troops quickly. General Pillow needed to give fearless and decisive leadership, but the Confederate leader was frozen by more than just the icy winter temperatures. Fear paralyzed General Pillow, causing him to retreat to the fort's temporary safety rather than continue fighting to ultimate victory. Pillow's cowardly decision caused 14,000 Confederate troops to be captured and imprisoned by General Grant. Many historians consider this a turning point in the Civil War in favor of the Union Army. Ironically, General Pillow was able to escape during the night and avoid capture. He left subordinate officers behind to face the wrath of General Grant. This story is a classic example of a fearful, toxically insecure leader. It's also an example of how the failure of an insecure leader to act decisively and take necessary risk harms the people directly beneath him. So let me give you some prescriptions for a fearful leader. Look at this quote from Michael Dooley. If the fear of loss conquers me, the reality of failure will consume me. If the fear of loss conquers me, the reality of failure will consume me. 
The psalmist said this, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. That's Psalm 34, 4. The prescription for fearful leadership is God-centered leadership. Leaders who pursue God and strive to follow his direction are delivered from fear and filled with confidence. It sounds overly simplistic, but it's not. It's common sense once you understand that God knows the future, and if we know God intimately, he guides us into that future. Great leaders aren't without worries, but their faith in God overwhelms their fear. Number five, insecure leaders attack questioners. Confident leaders encourage and invite questions because they relish the opportunity to cast their vision. Conversely, insecure leaders view most questions as insults to their intelligence and authority. Often, insecure leaders will berate, avoid, or ignore questioners, even from people closest to them. And there are prescriptions for this. Let me read Peter Nolte, a a leadership guru. He said this, Of all the skills of leadership, listening is the most valuable and one of the least understood. Most captains of industry listen only sometimes, and they remain ordinary leaders. But a few, the great ones, never stop listening. That's how they get word before anyone else of unseen problems and opportunities. James 1.19 tells us that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Even good leaders lose this ability over time if they don't carefully guard against the mentality of using their authority to silence questions and input from others. But the solution to this problem is simple and self-serving. Leaders who shut down questioners and run over input are robbing themselves of knowledge, and knowledge is power. Allowing others to speak doesn't mean you have to accept what they say or agree with their advice. If a questioner has a legitimate need for clarification, give it. If a questioner has a real concern, hear it. You can learn a lot from the things people ask and say out loud. Listening gives leaders a distinct advantage in moving forward. Listeners understand trends, anticipate problems, realize needs, inspire loyal followings, and find unusual opportunities. Number six, insecure leaders rarely offer thanks or congratulations. To the insecure leader, saying thanks is acknowledging they needed help in the first place. Giving a compliment distracts from their achievements and spotlights someone else in their way of thinking. They're uncomfortable with both situations, so they rarely say thank you or give genuine compliments. This leaves their team feeling totally unappreciated and disrespected. But there is a prescription for this. I like this quote. I don't know who said it originally, but but the quote goes like this. You'll never be great and ungrateful at the same time. Learning to express thanks and compliment others when they deserve it is a sign of strength, not weakness. Rewiring your brain to think this way might be difficult for some, but it's necessary. A further benefit of verbally thankful and complimentary leaders is the positive impact on the people around them. Morale is boosted, productivity increases, loyalty skyrockets, and the leader's visions are carried out faster. Try it, and you'll see immediate positive results. Number seven, insecure leaders take credit for other people's work or ideas. This one is very frustrating. Look at what John Wooten said. A strong leader takes blame and gives the credit. 
a weak leader gives blame and accepts the credit. Insecure leaders are more than willing to steal somebody else's great idea or take credit for others' accomplishments. Leaders ready to steal credit have allowed their insecurities to turn them into liars and frauds. Any leader that sinks to this level is beyond toxic. They're intentionally venomous and should not be trusted under any circumstances. Run away as fast as you can. But let me give you some prescription for leaders who take credit for other people's work or ideas. And I think just about everyone listening has had a situation where a leader took your idea and didn't give you credit for it and used it as their own. President Truman said this, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. A leader willing to lie and steal another person's credit has no other recourse but to repent before God. And the offending leader must make it right with those they've harmed. That's Matthew 5, 23 through 24. The Apostle James doesn't mince words when calling out selfishly ambitious people who play games with the truth. You'll notice in, in the scripture I'm about to read, he calls them unspiritual and demonic. Nothing short of spiritual reconciliation with God and those offended will help a fraudulent leader. This one is a big one. Look at James 3, 14 through 18. This is the ESV. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Number eight, insecure leaders shoot down good ideas. When insecure leaders are presented with good or even terrific ideas, they often shoot them down or steal them like we just talked about. They just can't stand the thought of someone else having a better idea or solution. This ultra-selfish leadership style harms everyone because it stifles creativity, productivity, ingenuity, and originality. If a leader always shoots down fantastic ideas without a reasonable explanation, they're leading from insecurity. However, they might have plausible reasons, and if that's the case, they probably do not lead from insecurity. Here's where things get hard, because if, if you're presenting an idea to a leader, uh, obviously you think it's a great idea. So it takes time to differentiate whether or not someone is actually shooting down good ideas, or maybe you have to reevaluate yourself and, and ask the question, is, maybe I'm not actually giving good ideas. So that one's always hard. But if you determine that you or someone close to you is leading from insecurity and constantly shooting down other people's good ideas, here's a prescription. Here's a quote from Bernard Baruch. Most of the successful people I've known are the ones who do more listening than talking. The Bible often speaks of getting lots of good advice from wise counselors, especially in the book of Proverbs. We have tons of scripture teaching us to get lots of good counsel before making a decision. Insecure leaders have to break the habit of desiring to be the smartest person in the room. Instead, Great leaders understand that any organization is built on the successes and intelligence of everyone involved. Understand that an organization that consistently shoots down really good or even terrific ideas without reason will be mediocre at best.
Break that habit and learn to look for the good of the organization and not just the good of the individual. Number nine, insecure leaders run from needed confrontation. This one sounds like a little bit of a paradox, but they do. Insecure leaders run from needed confrontation. Most people don't enjoy confrontation. I struggle with this one. I'm I'm a non-confrontational person. I, I really don't like having to confront someone. I don't like uncomfortable moments where I look like the bad guy. Uh, insecure leaders want the glory, not the gloom, but insecure leaders take that mentality to a whole new level. They often delegate confrontational moments to their subordinates because they lack the confidence to face a conflict head on themselves, or they simply leave the problems unsolved, unconfronted, and unresolved rather than facing the needed conflict. Confrontation avoidance can significantly harm an organization over time. Now, I'm preaching to myself on this one, as I've already said, because uh, where my insecurities as a leader tend to bleed through is in this area right here. Uh, I I just dislike having to have moments where where I'm having a confrontation with someone. I I don't like having to point out people's failures or flaws or or have those moments that are just really, really uncomfortable. I, I really hate it. And I've recognized this in my personality, so I'm constantly trying to pull myself away from that. My wife will tell you that if I'm not careful, I, I, I want to shift confrontational moments onto her and let her be the one to do it and me kind of stand back. And, and that's wrong of me to do that. And we all have these areas where we have to kind of recognize our, our flaw and then adjust accordingly. I like what Ronald Reagan said. He said, peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. The goal of all healthy, necessary confrontation is to be assertive, not aggressive. At the root of chronic conflict avoidance is the fear of rejection. I know that's true for me. For many leaders, this is a deeply ingrained fear that's hard to overcome. But the fear of rejection must be overcome or it will destroy the leader and the leader's team. Addressing the fear of confrontation and rejection begins with baby steps. Start by reevaluating your own self-worth and reimagining outcomes of conflict. Many positive things come from necessary conflict, especially when you learn how to approach conflict or uncomfortable situations in a peaceful yet firm way. Number 10, Insecure leaders are easily flattered. Proverbs 29.5 says, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. Flattery is a lie masquerading as encouragement from a selfish motive to manipulate the hearer to achieve the flatterer's covert purpose. Whether or not flattering words have truth in them, their goal is deception. A leader easily seduced by flattery is foolish and will make unwise decisions. Insecure leaders enjoy the temporary buzz that flattery produces because it artificially inflates their wounded egos. But there is a prescription. Norman Vincent Peale said, The trouble with most of us is that we'd rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. Flattery is the enemy we all love. It feels good going down. But the poison of it doesn't take long to kick in. That's why people say flattery is like chewing gum. Chew it, but don't swallow it. We shouldn't believe every good thing we hear about ourselves, and we shouldn't believe every negative thing we hear about ourselves. 
Learning to overcome flattery's deceitfulness involves a few paradigm changes. One, learn to value truth over desired truth through prayer. Two, be wary of people who praise excessively. Three, discount those who tear down others to build you up. If they have to tear someone else down to make you feel good, that's not a healthy situation. Four, confront the love of flattery in your own heart and learn to recognize that weakness. When leaders understand their propensity to be manipulated by flattery, they begin to build an immunity to it. And this is an important thing. I hope these, I hope these 10 symptoms have helped you to examine your own heart. Maybe you're not a toxically insecure leader, but you do see little symptoms of insecurity and how they manifest themselves. I hope it's helped you to take inventory. Maybe it's helped you to look at someone around you and learn how to help and cope with that situation a little bit better. I know thinking about these things have helped my leadership style and my personality. I pray for all of you. I want all of us to be the best leaders that we can be and do our very best for the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you until next time.